Hello and welcome to The Intersection. My name is Mark Riley. Thank you so much for being with us, especially after our one-week hiatus. Lots has happened, and we'll try to get to every bit of it, or just a little bit of it, perhaps. Donald Trump, remember him, now wants to shred the Constitution because, wait for it, voter fraud from 2020. He also got himself a couple of setbacks in recent days. Brittany Griner has been freed from a Russian gulag, but not everyone is happy. The House passes legislation to protect same-sex and interracial marriages, and Germany arrests some right-wing coup plotters. There are other stories going on out there as we approach the Christmas holiday, but we'll look at these and maybe some other ones in future podcasts. Playing catch-up just a wee bit. First, Donald Trump. Can anyone believe that this guy thinks the Constitution he swore to and he swore to uphold can be torn up because he says so? I want to be clear about exactly what he said. So here it is, courtesy of Truth Social. That's his own little outlet. Quote, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Unquote. Now, under most circumstances, people might say, what's up with this guy? if it was anybody else but Trump. Yet he inexplicably maintains his hold over what can only be described as the lunatic fringe of the Republican Party. It's proof positive of his unfitness to lead the greatest nation on earth. And that's not all. He had dinner with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, both virulent anti-Semites. Fuentes is a Holocaust denier. Add to that the fact that his hand-picked candidate for Georgia's U.S. Senate seat, Herschel Walker, lost in a runoff against Reverend Raphael Warnock, plus his company's conviction for tax fraud in New York State, and you see a presidential candidate with real and major problems. Now, back for one very quick second to this whole notion of uh, having dinner with two rabid anti-Semites, Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. When people in the Jewish community criticized him for this, he jumped up and said they ought to be ashamed of themselves for criticizing him. See, this is the kind of behavior that in anyone else would have called for the people in the white suits to take him to a rubber room. And I'm only speaking figuratively here, I think. It's like ridiculous behavior. First of all, it's ridiculous behavior to have dinner with Kanye West, who, by the way, is talking about running against him in 2024, and Nick Fuentes, an ugly, virulent, racist Holocaust denier. These are people who should outrage everybody. And I include, I know that Kanye West has his supporters out here. I am not one of them. I have no truck with anti-Semitism, period, end. And Donald Trump takes these people to dinner, and then turns around and says, well, Nick Fuentes is a stranger. I don't even know him. So does Donald Trump take random people off the street and invite them to Mar-a-Lago for dinner? Is that what we are supposed to believe about this guy who used to be president of the United States? Can people wrap their brains around the fact that a majority, well, not a majority of Americans, but the Electoral College, Put this guy in office? 
in early 2017? I mean, it is it boggles the mind. And as is usually the case with narcissists like Trump, nothing, nothing is ever his fault, nor has he said anything that he wouldn't double down on. He told allies that the dinner with Weston Fuentes, that the brouhaha about that dinner would die down. It hasn't. A Washington Post article about his deepening isolation at Mar-a-Lago makes him look like a bumbling recluse, you know, the uncle that you never want to see coming to Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner for that matter. And yet there are those ready and willing to support him no matter what. Here's a quote from Taylor Budovich, or Budovich, or however you pronounce his name, forgive me for that. He's head of MAGA Incorporated, a super PAC. And this is a direct quote. He's building one of the most ruthless and talented teams in American politics, and he's the only person in the country who is ready and capable of reversing America's decline, unquote. Who is he talking about? He can't be talking about Donald Trump. He can't be talking about somebody who turns around and says, I had somebody to dinner, but I didn't know who that was. He's ready, willing, and capable of reversing America's decline. I guess that's sort of like the crack team of investigators Donald Trump put together to prove Barack Obama wasn't born in the U.S. People forgot about that when Trump went to great lengths to say, and I remember the press conference. It's indelibly stamped in my head. We have investigators who are looking into Barack Obama's uh, birthplace and birth records, and we don't believe that he was born in the United States. Eventually, in one of the few reversals that Trump has ever publicly admitted to, had to say, well, yeah, he was born in the U.S. You may have also noticed that Trump hasn't said a great deal about Herschel Walker's loss, at least not yet. Don't worry, he'll find somebody else to blame, and if he can't, he'll just blame Herschel Walker. He's probably holed up in Mar-a-Lago, trying to figure out who to blame. Can all this taken together mean the bloom is off the rose for Donald Trump? I wouldn't necessarily bet the store on it. He's facing a fight to win the Republican nomination, mainly from Florida governor and fellow Philistine Ron DeSantis. But there's no guarantee that DeSantis can beat him in a series of Republican primaries. And Trump, just like a bad penny, seems to always continue to turn up and always continue to have luck on his side. Luck and a great deal of bluster. That's the only way I can think of it. Either way, both of these folks have their work cut out for them. Both of them, Trump and DeSantis. And, you know, DeSantis may have been assembling the mechanism for running for president, but it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, his whole don't say gay thing and his anti-woke. I am still waiting for somebody who says they're anti-woke to define woke and define the opposite of woke. Such a lot of nonsense. Up next, Brittany Griner is home safe after President Biden made a deal. So why isn't everyone happy? This is The Intersection. You're listening to The Intersection of Politics and Culture with Mark Riley. Welcome back to The Intersection. 
Brittany Griner is home after being freed from a nine-year sentence for possessing cannabis oil in her luggage. This, of course, took place in Russia. She was freed in exchange for the so-called merchant of death, Victor Bout, who was serving a 12-year sentence in the U.S. Far from being a cause for celebration, Brittany Griner's freedom has become controversial, especially among the right. They argue it wasn't an even swap, that Bout, nicknamed the Merchant of Death, should never have been set free. Even further, they say Griner should not have been free before Paul Whelan, who remains in a Russian prison. He was convicted of spying by a Russian court. Some right-wing pundits even said he wasn't part of the prisoner swap because he supported Donald Trump and not Joe Biden. Here's the thing. Yes, this swap was part of a larger strategy on the part of Russian strongman Vladimir Putin to negotiate with the U.S. and the West on the war in Ukraine. I think that's pretty obvious to most people. The question is whether the Biden administration would allow Griner to rot in prison to make a political point. Some say it puts a target on the backs of Americans, as if this wasn't the case prior to the exchange. I, for one, am ecstatic that Brittany Griner is home and free. The charges against her were always part of Putin's negotiating strategy from the moment she was detained. And by the way, those charges were kind of sort of bogus. Use her to get Victor Bolt released. I'm not thrilled about it necessarily. Anybody they call the merchant of death and they made a movie about the guy. I'm not saying he's some saint, but I do think at a point these kinds of negotiations end up being very delicate and one side wins, one side loses, both sides end up claiming victory. Now, I don't think for a moment that Biden will back off his support for the Ukraine. I don't care what Putin says. I don't care what kind of deals are made. Joe Biden's not backing up from that. That's something, by the way, that some right-wing pundits have already begun advocating for, for a minute. The simple truth is Brittany Griner deserved U.S. support for her release, and now that she's free, Joe Biden can continue to work for the freedom of other Americans. Now, we ought to be clear about the fact that there are a substantial number, not a huge, but a substantial number of Americans who are spending time in Russia. The Russians can at any point accuse one of them, several of them, hundreds of them if they choose, they can say they're spying. From their perspective, they're in the middle of a war. They don't call it a war, but it is from most people's perspectives, a war. They could snatch up dozens of Americans, accuse them of spying, try them, convict them, and throw them in prison. It would be, again, a negotiating tactic on the part of an autocrat, Vladimir Putin. And by the way, some of these same right-wing pundits have been just a wee bit friendly toward that same autocrat. But hey, what are you gonna do? Last week, the House passed landmark legislation that enshrines marriage equality into law. Having already passed the Senate with amendments about religious freedom attached to it, it goes to President Biden for his signature. It closes off the possibility that a court would somehow snatch same-sex marriage the way the Supreme Court snatched away a woman's right to choose. In fact, Justice Clarence Thomas suggested 
Just such a move in the wake of the decision on Roe v. Wade. You may remember that. When you have federal courts with the number of Trump appointees on them, it's a cause for concern. Some of these judges can just jump up and say, well, we're going to leave it to a locality or a state or somebody else. This makes it different. Now you're trying to buck Congress if you're trying to erode marriage equality. And, well, there's a lot of things I could say about the kinds of things that people are willing to abrogate in American life. I've never been able to figure out just what it is that drives people to tell other people who they can love and who they can marry. Well, now I'm starting to think I know. It's religious doctrine that says love between people of the same sex is somehow sinful. It is their right to follow their beliefs as long as they don't infringe on the beliefs of others. People who think they have a right to impose their values and beliefs on other people are the root of many of America's problems. If only they could be persuaded to live and let live. And finally, almost two dozen members of a right-wing cell have been arrested in Germany. They were talking about killing the country's chancellor. That's right, killing the country's chancellor. Say what? This is The Intersection. Wherever you are, stay tuned to The Intersection with Mark Riley. Welcome back to The Intersection. I'm not sure how much traction this story got in the U.S., but about two dozen Germans were arrested across that country, charged with planning a coup against the government that allegedly included plans to execute the German chancellor. At the root of their ideology, these coup plotters, is the notion that Germany is not actually a country, but rather a corporate entity formed after the Second World War. Strange, right? The group is headed by a German nobleman who doubles as an anti-Semitic fascist. You see how anti-Semitism seems to wind its way? Anti-Semitism, racism, racism, anti-Semitism, fascism. So it looks like autocrats and wannabe autocrats are making a comeback, both in the developed and the developing world. Slice up the Constitution in America, kill the chancellor in Germany. Elect right-wing autocrats in Sweden, Italy, and God knows where else. Has the Earth's axis somehow tilted? Are we moving further away from the sun? How in the world do you explain this gravitational pull toward leaders and ideologies that haven't proven themselves able to do little more than scapegoat and hate? Can't the citizens of democracy do any better than this? It strikes me as silly that there's even a small segment of the German population that appears to want to support ideologies that lost them not one, but two world wars. Maybe they're following in the footsteps of the Trumpists who gave us January 6th, 2021. Or maybe they want to replicate the UK, where a conservative government crashed the economy and hundreds and thousands of working people are striking, mainly because they're tired of the three-card Monty game that the government is trying to run on them. We should understand that social media plays a role in spreading the lies and misinformation that these misanthropes feed on. Unlike some people I agree with on most issues, 
I don't think trying to throttle hate speech and out-and-out lies is the answer. Maybe part of the answer, but not the total answer, and not the real answer. As my late brother Clayton once told me, and I've said in previous episodes, you cannot be in America halfway for the First Amendment. The best way to counter bad speech is with better speech. There is better speech out there. The key is to make sure that people who aren't hearing it are able to hear it. That, in a nutshell, is the key to stopping coup plotters no matter where they live and no matter where they try to expand. And make no mistake about it, folks, these folks are trying to expand. And they're in the process of creating networks, not just nationally, but internationally, to impose their will on the rest of the population. They know that a majority of the population isn't down with coups, isn't down with assassinating leaders, isn't down with holding riots where they threaten to hang the vice president, as happened in the good old USA. They know this, but they're undeterred because they have social media on their side where they can indoctrinate people. And they have a population that does not all the time pay attention to politics. That is the problem in the U.S. Most people just want to live their lives. I don't know how many people I talked to for years who said, I'm not involved in politics. I don't care about politics. It doesn't matter to me. My life doesn't change no matter what political parties in power, no matter what kinds of policies they try to implement. Okay, that's cool. But let people be aware of the fact that these folks who are trying to overthrow governments and trying to rerun elections, et cetera, et cetera, have proven themselves inept at the one thing they want to do, which is governing the rest of us. Thanks so much for listening to The Intersection. The executive producer is Kim Jack Riley, and music is by Tevin Thomas. Until next time, please be well.